You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Well, folks, this is Keith Johnson along with Nehemia Gordon. We have made it through the book of Genesis in English. What do we call it in Hebrew, Nehemia? I think it's Bereshit. Am I right? Yes, the book of Bereshit, in the beginning. And now we are starting something brand new. That's right. It's the beginning of a new calendar year, the Gregorian year. Of course, not according to the biblical year, but we are now in Shemot. Nehemia, welcome back, folks. Welcome back. I got to say welcome back to myself. We are getting ready to dive right in. (laughs) We're back. So let's get started, Nehemia. Do you have anything you want to say before we get started? Yeah, so I have a confession to make to the people. Um, okay. And, and the confession is – well, first of all, let's tell the people what we're talking about. So so we're, we're doing the prophet pearls and we're doing the mm-hmm. portion on the on the section you – know, there's a Torah portion which begins Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, the first few chapters of Exodus. And that's called the section – the book is called Shemot, which means names. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, in English it's Exodus and Hebrew Shemot. And the, the portion is also called uh, Shemot, um, mm-hmm. the portion of Shemot. And uh, we were supposed to record this, you know, we're pre-recording this, but we were supposed to record this a few days ago. And, um, you know, I, I sat down to read the portion and I said, no, I need more time. It wouldn't be responsible for me to jump right in and do this without giving this a little bit more time than I've given really any of the other sections. And that's because mm-hmm. there's some verses in this passage, particularly the opening verses, which um, I can say about those verses, I don't know. And, you know, that's actually a really important statement to be able to look at something in the Bible and say, I don't know. There's this attitude that I have to have all the answers. I'm the Bible answer man with all the answers. And mm-hmm. and generally, somebody with all the answers usually doesn't know all that much. He thinks he does, mm-hmm. but he, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and the real challenge is to know what you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And as I was reading these verses, I realized I have no, especially the first two and a half verses, mm-hmm. I said to myself, I have no clue what these verses mean. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's this really interesting um, book. One of my favorite books uh, is a book called Freakonomics. I don't know if people have heard of that. If you haven't, go out and buy this book, Freakonomics. I didn't write it. Keith didn't write it. It's written by these ec- uh, economists, and, and they're looking at all these different things. I won't get into it. But one of the things they say is is that to um, to gain knowledge to learn, you first need to be able to make the statement, I don't know. And they did these mm-hmm. experiments with children and asked them questions that there's no way the children could have known. And the children just made something up. And, and they said to the children, you could say, I don't know, but they, they wouldn't. They, they just would make things up. And, and, and I find that in Bible, a lot of people are children. And to be an adult, to be a, a man, to be a woman, I don't know about being a woman, to be a man <laughs> in, in the mm-hmm. study of, of Scripture, you need to be able to stand before Yehovah and say, Yehovah, Father of creation, there are things that I don't know. I'm humble enough to admit that before you and before other people. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what happened with these first couple of verses, and mm-hmm. we can talk about that. It's 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 pretty pretty interesting. It's all it's also interesting that this is, is one of the first sections we've had, which is maybe this is the first section we've had, which is not a continuous section. It starts mm-hmm. in Isaiah twenty seven verse six, goes to twenty eight thirteen, and then it tacks on two more verses twenty nine chapter twenty nine verses twenty two to twenty three, and, and you mm-hmm. got to wonder like wh- where did that come from? And and I think the answer is that that it just wanted to end like on a on a happy note and not on a sad note. 
Mm. <laughs> well, you know, really, I, what I like about this uh, this section, and, and this is part of the reason that we we invited people to become uh, partners with us, is to get other perspectives. And we we actually have two folks, uh, Ernesto and Kelly, who were who were very gracious to uh, jump ahead as far as our scheduling. As uh, Nehemia mentioned, we, we we have to we have to get ahead partly because of technology, part because of travel. Uh, things are just happening constantly. I know for you they are, certainly for me, where we're not always sure exactly where we're going to be when that week is coming. So we, we called our partners ahead of time and asked them to give us some perspective. And I was really thankful for Ernesto and Kelly who, who gave us some, some thoughts about this, this, as you say, the first two and a half verses, but really the whole section. Um, and so I'll, I'll bring a little bit of that later, but I want to say thank you to them as a, a Prophet Pro partners, Ernesto and Kelly. Thank you so much for adjusting. Thank you for getting ready. And really for everybody that's listening, we take this as a really serious thing. This isn't about us uh, spewing knowledge. It's about us exploring the the pearls that are in the prophets. And, you know, sometimes, as Nehemiah mentioned, uh, you get to some and you just think, wow, you scratch your head. Um, and that's okay. You know, we don't have to have all the answers. But the process is what I really enjoy. And that's what we're going to get right into in this section in Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6 through 28. Uh, 6 through 28, and then, th- and then verse... Um, I'm talking 27, 6 to 28, 13, and then 29, verses 22 and 23. So people, open your Bibles right now. We're going to jump right into this. Is that all right, Nehemiah? Let's do it. Let's get right into it. And why don't you start? Give us those. I want you to read those first two and a half verses that you that, yeah. that basically so, put us four, four, four or five days behind. <laughs> I want you to read those two well, verses uh, in English. Okay. And in, okay, go I, ahead. I'm going to read it from the Hebrew. I'm going to yes. read directly the direct literal translation from Hebrew, and people will understand mm-hmm. why this was so... Um, difficult. So here's the literal translation of verse 6. It says, those that come, Jacob shall strike roots, but it could also be translated, Jacob will uproot. Um, he shall um, he shall bloom and flower, and it, it, he, Israel shall bloom and flower, and the mm-hmm. whole earth will be filled uh, with, well, he shall fill the whole earth with fruit. Um, okay. And then it says, according... Well, verse, before you go to the next yeah. verse, I know you're going to read the second verse. Yeah. Let's have you do the same thing for the second verse, because I don't want to go. If it's since these since these are what you said, yeah. you 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 you, uh, you you cut your teeth on that first verse of the translation. Okay? I cut my teeth. No, I I, I mean so, so so the no, point. No, no, the no, point I'm glad is, you did it yeah. that way, Nehemiah. I, I'm actually glad you did that, mm-hmm. and and I really appreciate the fact not only that you said you needed some more time, right. but just just well, so, uh, so in just verse six text. the words weren't a problem. I could tell you what every word means. Like for Absolutely. example, I said it really means to uproot. But uproot doesn't make any sense, so so mm-hmm. we're gonna say strike roots, even though that's not what the word means. Um, <laughs> like we got to, it doesn't make any sense. And who are these that are coming? What is this about? Habaim, yeah. those that come, those that enter. Like that's a really easy word. That's one of the first words you learn in the Hebrew language. But mm-hmm. in this context, it doesn't make any sense. And and then you know to complicate matters. So I, we've talked about how the chapters were made up in the 13th century by the Archbishop of Canterbury. They're not an original part of the text. Not a part of the original part of the Hebrew text, and um, anyway, um, so in the Hebrew we have these these spaces that that delineate different sections, and mm-hmm. verse six is the end of a section. Yes. So so just from that, it's like, well, wait a minute, I can't read verse six by itself. That's it, it, taking it out of context. The section starts in verse two, where it says, and on, it says on that day. Um, mm-hmm. Etc. So what? How can you, like verse six by itself <laughs> isolated is completely nonsensical, and, and it should be, meaning it, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make frankly, it doesn't even make sense in its context, which is probably why the rabbis who or whoever made up this traditional division, they felt comfortable putting verse six there. 
um, at the beginning of the portion, because even in its context, it's not entirely clear what this is talking about. I could tell you how it was traditionally interpreted, and that explains mm-hmm. what it's doing in the portion, or unless you okay. have something to add to it. Oh, no, I just, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me when I was reading this verse, um, I got to the end, and, you know, for me, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what my confession is. My confession is that that I, I, I sometimes can get caught up in every every little word, and, uh, you know, in every little word I, I want to ask myself, how is that connected, and, and that sort of thing. But what I really did uh, kind of like was, is, is that when I read the English versions, and then I open up the Hebrew Bible, and you see these compare and contrasts, which I do a lot, uh, there's little things that come up. And so just one little thing I wanted to bring up to you, and this is actually connected to Israel, and it says uh, in the day, and let me read it from the NAS. And actually, the NAS is my favorite English uh, version for lots of reasons, but I always like to look at you know the NIV, the KJV, the JPS, and anything else that's available. But it says, it, here's, what, here's how it's translated um, in the NAS. It says, in the days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will blossom and sprout. And then it says, and they will fill the whole world and with fruit. And there were two things that actually kind of caught my attention. One was it was is the word that they they was using for the the world. But then the other one, and Nehemia, you can help me with this. Yeah. Is it says and we will, they will fill the whole world with fruit. But then the word uh, is a uh, tenuva. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, isn't there a company that's in Israel? Yes, the Israeli okay. milk company is called Tenuva. Okay, no. So um, let me tell, before you yeah, go on, go I got to tell you something funny. So I'm I'm reading this verse, and I'm thinking it's going to be if I'm looking at English, I'm thinking it's going to be like the word pre, uh, pre uh, oh, for okay. fruit. Yeah. And then I see that, and then I went to go and, and took some check, you know, kind of checking as, as far as how that word is used, and, and and really it's it's much more than fruit. It can produce, etc. And then there's this company that's this this milk company, and I don't know if you remember this. We've had many times that we've gone to Israel together. And we've and we've traveled and we've talked and we spend a lot of time in the car getting from you know you'll say we've got to see this specific spot and I'll say well is it is it close yeah it's not that far and eight hours later you know we're at the southern part but the point Keith, is I'm we, in Texas we, I spend forty five minutes going to the corner grocery store <laughs> okay well anyway we were at one point um, I saw this I don't remember where we are where this company is Nehemia but I saw this company oh they're everywhere can, can you, <laughs> yeah so tell me about this company. So, so Israel. Uh, I don't know why we want to talk about this company, but okay, Tenuva or Tenuva. They, well, because um, of the word. Yeah. Is, is, I just so, want to talk, okay. You know. So, so anyway, they um, up until recently they had a monopoly on the dairy industry in Israel, and mm-hmm. Israelis really like dairy. So this was a multi multi billion dollar company. They had so much money. They actually did a, a, a television commercial on the Mir space station years ago, back when that mm-hmm. was a much bigger deal than it is now. Um, you know, having the the, the the Russian cosmonauts like you know. Uh, Squirting out the milk, which you know forms these go- like you know like droplets in the space, and they like got to drink it. That's how much money they have. This, you know, mm-hmm. in recent years, um, some of their monopoly power has been broken, but they're they're uh, evil enough where uh, there have been like national nationwide protests against the um, really you know persecutory prices that they have. You know, which mm-hmm. which I wouldn't have a problem with, except that you know de facto they still have kind of a monopoly. So the government, mm-hmm. on the one hand, gives them a monopoly, and then they abuse it by charging prices for basic goods that people need. I don't know why the people want to hear this, but I, I, know, I, I so didn't know why you did, bring. I mean, did you know that when the Arabs were having their Arab Spring a few years back in Israel, there was what they were ca- calling the Israeli Spring, and it was over the price of cottage cheese from Tanuva. And I'm not joking. There were people in the streets protesting the price of Tanuva's cottage cheese. Well, here's what's interesting. So, so cottage cheese, Tanuva, obviously when they were thinking about this, they weren't thinking simply about fruit. 
they were thinking about something bigger than that, and in that the was the thing sense, that fruit, yeah, in the in the broadest sense. And so, also, they obviously are pretty uh, pre- pretty powerful. They're talking about the space station, so they must have looked oh, at yeah. the word for Earth and thought it was a bigger issue. We will fill the whole <laughs> Earth, the whole, the whole, the whole planet. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Well, so what is this doing here in this? Like, what is this about? What, so we know what all these words mean, but what is it even talking about? And and so what happened is ancient Jews read this. Um, and they said, we don't know what this is talking about either, so we're going to make something up. And what they made up was that um, they said, oh, those that come. So now what you're trans – and it's so much easier in the English. What you read, there's no problem. Mm-hmm. It's so clear what it means. It's days are mm-hmm. coming, meaning mm-hmm. the future time of God, of the of the end times. But it doesn't say anything about days in Hebrew. It says those that come. And the mm-hmm. ancient Jews who read this, they immediately recognized, oh, those that come, and it's talking about Israel – this is the opening verse of Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, These are the names of the sons of Israel who came, who are literally mm-hmm. who are coming to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Jacob, the man in his house, they came. And the word for the, they are coming or, or they came is habaim, the exact mm-hmm. word that appears in Isaiah 27, 6. And mm-hmm. so they read, they said, read Isaiah 27, 6. We, they said, we have no clue what this is talking about. But this must be a reference, uh, you know, and, and pro- prophecy is often very poetical and can have you know these veiled sort of references. They said this must be a veiled reference to the Israelites coming into Egypt, and then they could, proceeded to interpret the entire passage that way, which I find fascinating. Of course, other Jews later on who who um, were trying to understand it in his context, for example, Ibn Ezra, who was a rabbi in the Middle Ages, he interprets it as referring to the ingathering of the exiles. So those mm-hmm. that are coming are coming back to Israel, and they're striking roots mm-hmm. in the land, and they're flourishing, and they're filling up the whole world or the whole earth, the whole land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly looked at it that way. I mean, it was uh, it, it was one of those things okay. where I, I saw it and I thought about one. I thought about that company, and yeah. I wasn't you know the okay. politics of it, but rather the idea that there would be those kinds of things that are there that are rooted, that are getting you know bigger and they're growing. That people know about them, um, like you know we're here. That right. that was sort but, of. But I think it's interesting. The ancient rabbinical interpretation is this is talking about the Jews arriving in Goshen in Egypt mm-hmm. and, and flourishing in Goshen and the medieval interpretation which fits better frankly even though even it's that is obscure um, is that no it's not they're coming from the exile not into the you know not into exile uh, and they're flourishing mm-hmm. in, in the land not in the exile so I thought that's really interesting mm-hmm. it's two diametrically opposed interpretations absolutely now the, now for the fun verse yeah I, I gotta just I, 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 I can't wait look to I'll translate this but then you're on your own I, I, still, oh, okay. <laughs> I still don't know what this is. It literally says, well, there was did, some... did he smite him with the smiting of a smiter? Kill mm-hmm. like the killing of those who uh, of his who were killed? <laughs> who's the he and who's the him and who's the killed and who's the killing? And who, I have no I idea what this verse is about. Get... I don't know. Okay. All right. I want you to get your computer out because this was – I really thought this was interesting. Yeah. So when I read the verse, the thing that jumped off – for me and, – and, and, and again, this is a computer issue. Unless you just got this off the top of your head. Is there, is there another verse? I looked at this. I think there's this one, two, three, four, five, seven different words in this one verse. Three of those words are based on one root. Three of those words are based on another root mm-hmm. with this little conjunction here, if, in, whatever. And I thought to myself – I thought – when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of Isaiah. <clears throat> and I was thinking of Isaiah – Thinking, you know, he's he's putting together this. It's like it's really beautiful. This verse right. is well, really it's beautiful. Poetical, but it's so poetical. Oh, I, I, I mean, don't know. What, I don't know. What and so saying. I want to know. I want to know if you. I want to know. And before we before we get into that, though, before we get into that, I want to know if if you were to ask the question, how would we find out if there is another verse like this where you've got three or 
basically you've got two roots, seven words. You mean the same roots or different roots? The same roots. Yeah, the same. Basically, that the same, same root, root. The vert naka and yeah. the vert harag. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I we mean, have the we same root for the first three words. Search the it. same root for the, the the last three words. Now again, I, I think what I, I appreciated about it was, okay, we know that we're talking about something that's connected, whether it was he or who or what. Three things, boom, 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 and then three more things, and I think it's the word here for uh, to slaughter or to kill. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me ask this question. Mm-hmm. Um, in the English, let's see, in the JPS, do you happen to have the JPS in front of you? I can pull it up. Hold on. Can I just read you what I wrote in my notes as I was preparing sure. this? I wrote, yes. to my, for, and this was just like thinking as I'm reading this. I wrote, who is the hit or who is the hit? What intardation is this talking about? Exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that's why I said, I need some more time. And, and in the end, I yeah, still don't yeah. know. So what do you want me to look yeah. up now? Oh, no, no. So I was trying to say, so if, if you were to ask the question, yeah. uh, another verse where you've got three of the same root. Uh, well, basically, it's... it's, it's why don't it's, you just tell me what you're you talking about? This, well, you've got three... No, you've got three of the same root, the first three you, words. You've got a verse in mind. Tell us what the verse is. <laughs> I don't have a verse in mind. Oh, I'm asking a okay. question. No, I don't. Three of the that's same the root of any root or of this root. I, that's why I'm not clear. So as far as well, I know, I, that, I don't know of any other verse that has the, these three, you know, this root three times. In other words, the other, let's go back to the yes. literal translation. Did he smite him with the smiting of his smiter? So we've got this word, lahakot, to hit. You could also say, did he hit him with the hitting of his hitter? Uh, and then did he, that's in brackets, did he kill like the killing of those of his who were killed? <laughs> so we've got the word kill three times, we've got the word hit or smite three times. Where does that yeah. appear? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. Okay, well maybe you could, you know, that's all right. I mean, yeah. if, 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 we can't push, if we can't push the uh, computer to uh, quickly find an example like that. I just thought it was really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I thought, man, there's got to be some way to find out. So what does it mean? Find where you, I, I have no idea. Mm. So this is the invitation for the people out there in cyberspace who are listening. Go to NehemiahsWall.com and post your thoughts what this means. This could actually be the founding of a new theology of a new um, denomination because you know, that's what I find. The more obscure the verse is, the more likely it is to be the foundation of some doctrine or denomination. Uh, and, and I'm kind of joking, but, but actually maybe you'll come up with something where you'll explain it where it will be like, oh – Oh, now we got to re-record this and pretend we do. You know, I don't know. But, <laughs> well, no, but I read to, the verse. Uh, and, to, yeah, don't know. Yeah. If they go to uh, nehemiahswall.com, they can they can they can put their their questions right, or they can say this is what they think. Yeah. If they go to bfainternational.com, you'll get the secret answer. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Either way, you got to be yeah. able to make comments. We really do want to hear from people, and and and, and this is a great opportunity, an invitation. Uh, in, in all seriousness, where we can where we can uh, invite people to go and, and make comments, uh, in either one of the pages where you can you can say you know I read the verse here's what I saw. In fact, check other check other people, check other commentators, and and see. Uh, what, I, I, I can tell thought, you what the commentators thought, say. They say that this is some kind of reciprocal justice. That mm-hmm. um, it's basically asking you know is not God going to respond to someone the way they behaved and, and hurt somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. I've got to stretch my imagination to be able to see that <laughs> in the verse. Like we could mm-hmm. read this, you know, replace the he's with with people. We could say, did Yehovah smite Israel with the smiting of the smiter, meaning the 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 Jews who were persecuting the poor? Did he kill Israel like the killing of the poor who were killed? But now I'm kind of like I'm stretching the verse, and it could mean that, but I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, one thing that is, I think we, we can say when you go to the next verse, and um, and again, I'm, let's 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 see if we're still in the two and a half two and a half verses. Yeah. Um, why don't you Why don't you give us the no, translation? I'm, I'm going to let you do this next next next. Verse. Okay, so twenty seven eight. Yeah. So I'm going to NASB. You contended with them by banishing them, by driving them away with his fierce wind. He has expelled them, or you shouldn't say actually them is a. Um, italicized with his fierce wind he's expelled on the uh, day of the east wind and so it's really just when, so much easier in the english than what it actually says in it Hebrew. really is <laughs> <laughs> can, can i read you a few different translations and then i'll be sure. done so here's the literal no translation um with about the same se'ah which is a measurement when sending mm-hmm. her away into exile you strive with her or with it that's the and i'm mm-hmm. only doing the first half of the verse the second half is pretty easy uh, King mm-hmm. James, in measure, when it shooteth forth, thou debate with it. NASB, mm-hmm. thou didst contend with them by banishing them, by driving them away. NIV, by warfare and exile, you contend with her. NRSV, by expulsion, by exile, you struggled against them. I mean, think about how profoundly different these verses are. Oh, these are the, the, these, not the verses, translations. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, they don't know. I, I certainly don't know. The second half is pretty easy. He drove out. With his uh, a harsh wind on the day of the east wind. I don't know what the day of the east in wind is, but I guess the day when there was mm-hmm. a lot of wind and probably the invasion of the Assyrians or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the Babylonians. Well, it's funny. You, you, and that's that's another example uh, what you just did. Yeah. I, I, I looked at all of these different translations. I'm like, man, can there be that much difference mm-hmm. uh, in, in, uh, in a verse? And so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely there is. So uh, now can we go to nine? Nine is my – so can we – and I'm going to ask us to do something, which is read nine through 11, because as I read it, that's a single unit, and we have to understand it okay, go ahead. that way. Read it. So, um, so he says, therefore, in this shall um, uh, Jacob's iniquity be atoned, is what it literally says, and this is all the fruit to remove his sin when he places all the stones of the altar – as smashed chalk stones, the Asherim, mm-hmm. which is the the sacred trees of the Asherah goddess, and the mm-hmm. and the sun um, idols or the sun statues will no longer rise up. Um, mm-hmm. And then verse ten, um, let's see. So for a fortified city alone, a habitation cast away uh, and abandoned like the desert, there shall the the calf. Um, uh, pasture, and there he shall lie down, and her, her branches shall be cons- completely consumed. Um, when her mm-hmm. when her branches uh, dry up, they shall be smashed. Um, mm-hmm. Women shall shall come and burn them. Um, that is the branches, presumably. For this is not a uh, for he is not uh, a people of knowledge. Therefore, his maker will not have mercy upon him. His former, or his the one who fashions him, will not mm-hmm. have grace towards him. Wow, mm-hmm. what is that talking about? <laughs> yeah. So well, this I would is, just tell you this. Yeah, I mean, this I, to me what I, I, was, I was pretty clear. But go ahead. What do you? What do you? What's your take on it? Well, no. When I was when I was reading in verse nine, and I, yeah. again I looked at the section, and then I go back to the verse. But um, when it, it, it says making his altar stones like pulverized chalk stones, yeah, or I, I, how you said that. It, 
there's an image that immediately came to my mind, and the, yes. the image was at different times in, in history, Israel's history, where where a king or prophet would call the people to go out and to smash or to take to get rid of. And, and the one that really jumps off the page for me is as uh, King uh, Josiah in mm-hmm. English, and yeah. um, and, and and how and how in that process that was a that was a necessary step in order to get the people to the place where they could even do the next thing. In other words, it couldn't you couldn't have the mixing of the Asherim and the and and the stone and, and, and all the things that were going on. And literally he went through this process of cleansing. So when I saw this verse, I thought about um what he did and, and literally pulverizing, yeah. smashing, you know, destroying uh, those things that were uh, contrary to Torah, those things that were calling people uh, away from the one true God, and those things that were yeah. really, literally leading people into a place of destruction. And the only way uh, to deal with it was a was a was a way of destruction. So that was what jumped off the page for me. Is is as I just thought about that, and I went back and I read again in uh, in um, the whole the whole story of Josiah and. I don't know, Nehemi. There was a. There's just this this idea that sometimes, um, you know, we at least at least for me, we certainly see this sort of attitude. Like, well, let's just kind of keep things the way that they are. You know, let's don't rock the boat. Let's don't get too radical. Let's not be too 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 confrontational uh, regarding things that are contrary to the word of God. But I I don't know. When I read this verse, I just thought sometimes it takes some good old fashioned smashing. So <laughs> so you want to smash the Asherah trees, which in modern times would be represented by. Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't. I'm, Christmas I'm, trees. I'm not putting. I'm saying. I'm saying no. I'm saying that the idea here, yeah. when I'm reading this, and when I think about what happened, that there were times where there was a period of time where things kind of coexisted, and then there was a, mm. a period of time yeah. where there was there was a, a need to say enough is enough. And yeah. and I think and again, that's what the verse. That's what jumped I, I want. Off the page I want to read these in the JPS, and and really to me, these mm-hmm. are the key verses in the whole passage. This this is actually, mm-hmm. you know, I know I say this a lot, and you make fun of me about it. But this is one of the most important this passages. This is the favorite, favorite no, no, this, in the Bible. this is really one of the most important <laughs> passages in the entire Tanakh. If I had to give okay. you the, the the fifty most important passages, this is this is like in the top twenty. All right, it says assuredly awesome. by this alone. This is the JPS twenty seven nine through eleven. Assuredly by this alone shall Jacob's sin be purged away. This is the only price for removing his guilt that he make all the altar stones like shattered blocks of chalk with no sacred post left standing, nor any incense altar. Thus fortified cities lie desolate, homesteads deserted, forsaken like a wilderness. Uh, their calves graze. There uh, they lay down and consume its boughs. And that's this classic image in the Tanakh of, you know, Israel goes into exile and the cities are left abandoned. And they're taken over mm-hmm. by wild animals and, and, and pasture animals. Mm-hmm. And verse 11, when its crown is withered, they break. And uh, whatever. Okay, we'll accept that translation. It's not exactly correct. Women come and make fires with them, meaning it's the crown of the trees. But they are, uh, for they are a people without understanding. That is why their maker will show them no mercy. Their creator will deny them grace. I, so what on earth is this saying? So here's my take on it. And, and here I'm going to say something really controversial. It says that he make all the altar stones like shattered blocks of chalk. So in Hebrew, of course, we don't have the capital H or the, or the lowercase h. I think that it's possible this is Yehovah who's destroying the altars. Maybe it's the people. I don't know. But I believe it's Yehovah who's sending this east wind, these enemies from the east, uh, from Assyria and Babylon, to destroy Israel. 
And not only are their cities destroyed and they're taken into exile, but in the process of their cities being destroyed and taken into exile, their idols are also destroyed. And it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. This is pretty profound. It's saying, by this alone shall Jacob's sin be purged away. Jacob, Israel, has sinned, and there needs to be something for atonement. And the Hebrew word is, is yichupar. It's the root of Yom Kippur. Um, it's the w- root word that means atonement. So it's saying, mm-hmm. in this, this is the manner in which Jacob will get atonement. And the only price for removing his guilt. So what is that? That is that it's pretty profound. Israel needs to to suffer and go into exile. Their cities need to be destroyed. Their idols need to be destroyed. And then verse 11, I'm going to propose an an understanding of this, which I'm sure is correct. Um, When it says when its crown or when the top of its trees are withered, they they are smashed or they break. Uh, The women come and make fires with them. What is that talking about? So what I think this mm-hmm. is talking about, I think that's a metaphor. I'm going to argue it's a metaphor. And the metaphor here is Israel is in exile. In verse 10, the cities are destroyed and they're cast out into exile. That was even in the verse 8, that the east wind. Um, so they're sent out into exile for their sins. And in exile, they're burned up with fire. And mm. I hear this. And the first thing I think about is there are people coming to burn up the branches of Israel that have dried out. This, this nation that's dried out and withered away. That's an image in Ezekiel. And mm-hmm. the people are um, burning them. So, you know, I hear about that, and I and I think of the Jews being burned in the Crusades, in the pogroms, in the Holocaust. And I think that this is a prophecy about that happening. Um, mm. And and so then the next verse is really key. Uh, the next verse talks – I'm going to jump to that verse. And it says, mm-hmm. uh, and in that day, Jehovah will beat out the peoples like grain from the channel of the Euphrates to the uh, – brook of Egypt, and you shall be picked up one by one, O children of Israel. The Hebrew doesn't say Euphrates, actually, but it's okay. Um, what it's talking about, there's this image here of all the Israelites who have been scattered into exile, that some of them are going to be brought back. And where am I getting that? So think about the image of grain. The grain is harvested, and mixed in with the grain, you have chaff, and you have the, and you have the seed. The chaff mm-hmm. is garbage. It gets blown away by the wind. God's going to mm-hmm. beat out that grain, and the chaff is going to blow away, and what will remain will be the good grain that he's going to gather one by one. Think about that. It says, you shall be picked up one by one. And the image there is, remember, the threshing floor, they didn't have combines. So they would thresh out the grain, and the seed would fall to the ground, and then it would also be mixed up with some impurities. And what you could do if you wanted to get every last one is you could pick up each and every last grain of, of wheat and barley, and it's saying Yehovah is going to do that. That there is going to be this restoration, this ingathering, and I'm getting that for verse 13, by the way. We'll read that in a second. Um, mm-hmm. And Yehovah, no one's going to go missing. Every last one, every last grain is going to be gathered in and collected. Um, and then verse 13, which is, again, one of my favorite verses, and this I put in the top 10. It says, and it, <laughs> it really is one of the top 10 favorite verses. It says, In that day, a great ram's horn, a great shofar shall be sounded, and the strayed who are in the land of Assyria, it literally says the lost. The one, you know, and it's interesting when we talk about the ten lost tribes, it's the same word here. So I'm going to translate this. And the lost ones—that's the literal translation. The lost ones who are in the land of Assyria, and the um, and the castaway, cast-off ones who are in the land of Egypt shall shall come and worship Jehovah on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. So we have this 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 process. He starts out with the east wind, which is the the exile. That's the because the Assyrians and the Babylonians they came from the east and they're scattering Israel and they're scattering they're taking Israel and Judah and sending them off into the exile, and then um, in the exile 
their um, their their cities are desolate and they're being burned up literally not just figuratively mm-hmm. they're literally being burned up and then there'll be survivors and those survivors they're going to hear the shofar on that day and on that day they're going to be gathered back from either the literal Assyria or perhaps figuratively wherever that land is, people who are completely lost to Israel, they'll be gathered back. Every single grain will be gathered by Yehovah, and they will come when they are gathered back to the holy mountain to Jerusalem. Are you, are you going to tell me this isn't one of the most important passages in the Bible? No, it, it's about, well, it, it's you know, about it's, exile and atonement and the suffering in exile and the restoration. Hallelujah. This is amazing. Amen. When I when I was reading when I was reading through this, the thing that kept jumping off the page for me is just uh, how Yehovah Himself always has a plan. And and when you talk about picking up one by one, I think about the remnant of people who even today yeah. are being selected one by one, Amen. being picked up one by one from all over all over the earth. Yeah. And it's hard for me to, to get to verse t- uh, thirteen and not have to slow down a little bit, okay? Because I'm I'm really having a a, a bit of a struggle with Israel, mm. um, especially as it pertains to the political landscape regarding what's happening. I think when when people like our present leaders that are there that uh, that open the Tanakh, I know many of them uh, will will read the Tanakh and, and read these sections. And and sometimes I just wonder if 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 when they're reading it, you know, I I have to be honest, Nehemiah. There's a part of me that's like, well, if you have a a society that's that that has leaders that are opening the Tanakh and reading verses like this in a section, wouldn't they wouldn't they eventually just want to say, look, you know, this is all about. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about Yahweh Himself doing what He does. And so that's why I have a real struggle when I get to thirteen, because in thirteen it says, this is what's going to happen. They were scattered, and they're going to come and worship Yahweh in the holy mountain. Amen. Not down at the not down at the retaining wall, where they where they where they say that's the holy spot for Jews to come and pray, and not the western wall, but rather at the at the place where Yehovah set His name forever. And and this has been something for me that this last year has been in 2014, which is last calendar year, and now in 2015 is something that I really have been struggling with because I am asking the question, you know, about um, the end of the story. The end of the story is. There's not going to be an issue of who can pray and who can't pray. It's going to be a, a, a you know a house of prayer for all nations. But in the meantime, this sort of political uh, back and forth and what we can do and what we can't do has really, really, as you know, has really caused me as a struggle. So when I read this verse, I get excited about pulling out the big old ram's horn. And I actually have a picture. I have a picture for this uh, for this uh, for this verse that I'm going to use, and it's and it's uh, it's actually of myself and Yehuda Glick sounding the shofar at the Temple Mount. And it's really funny. Uh, when I say funny, it was actually on Shavuot. But the point was is that we couldn't be in, at the Western Wall because you can't bring shofars in there and you can't be up on the Temple Mount. So what did we do? We gathered people from different parts of the, of the world actually uh, to, to where the Eastern and the Southern Walls meet. And there is where uh, the sounding of the shofar took place. In fact, our friends Sveninitina also came and sounded the shofar. So – that's a picture I want to use because it, it's wow. this. When I read this verse, Nehemiah, I think I think about not only the bad part of it, as you said, they don't want to end on a bad note, but I think about the end of the story. And the end of the story is is that he's going to pick them. One, I love how you said that. He's that's a great picture. Picking up the wheat one, yeah, one by one, the image yeah. of one by one, and and gathering them. That's the remnant that's going to be gathered. And I believe that. I, right. I'll just say this. It's, yeah. Because, I, I believe that a lot of people that even are listening, you know, they have to get excited about that process of of the remnant, that group of people 
that that are kind of the ones that um that have made it through the difficulty mm-hmm. and they're still standing, and those yeah. are the ones he's bringing back. So well, and, and and what I would say is that there's people out there all over the world who have this inexplicable urge, this inexplicable burning, and and they don't understand why they're being drawn to the Torah. And I would argue that based on this verse we just read, they are being picked by Yehovah. He, they're ah. out, they're on the ground and they're being picked out of the chaff, and they understand where am I doing here? I must have a Jewish soul that was at Mount Sinai. I have to shake the tree and find a Jew. No, you don't need to do that. Yehovah has picked you, you personally. You don't have to make mm. stuff up. This is real. This is scripture. And to me, this, you know, and, and you're focusing on the end. I want to step back a little bit and focus mm-hmm. um, on, on not on the end, but, you know, what for my people for 2,000 years was this, this, this unbelievable suffering of wandering. You know, I, I, I call myself the wandering Jew, but, and I say it half jokingly, even though I'm, I am the wandering Jew. Um, but what that meant for, for thousands of years was, uh, for 2,000 years, was Jews being cast out into the diaspora and going from country to country. In every country, they weren't citizens or they were second-class citizens and they were persecuted and they were robbed and they were killed. And, and, um, and, and people, for, you know, the Gentiles said, you Jews, you say you're God's chosen people, but all we see is that you've been rejected by God because you're suffering more than any other nation on earth. And lo and behold, we read in Isaiah, over 700 years before that suffering began, we find out that that was part of God's plan. It was part of Amen. God's plan of atonement and removing the sin. I'm going to read that verse one more time. I'm going to read it in a different translation. I read the JPS. You might think there's some Jewish agenda here. I'm going to read it in the Christian translation, the King James. It says, By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. Remember, the word in Hebrew is atoned, but they say purged. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stone, etc., etc., and then it talks about this exile, this um, the cities being desolate and the boughs being uh, broken and burned. So we have this this process of of Israel's idols being destroyed, cast out into the exile, and then there's this purging process, this atonement mm. process. And and I think mm. that's the more correct way to look at the history of Israel. It's not that Israel was rejected; it's that Israel sinned and needed to go through this process of purging. And maybe this is the most radical part. That process of purging isn't over. And so when I look today and I see the the the, um, the suffering in Israel, I look at this in, in in biblical terms as part of Israel's process of redemption. Um, this is what Israel needs to go through to get atonement, according to the prophet Isaiah, who spoke two thousand seven hundred years ago. And that excites mm-hmm. me. And and the sign that we're getting towards the end of this, that we're getting closer and closer to verse thirteen, is the return of these exiles and these lost people. It literally says the lost ones yes. who went out yes. to Assyria, and from Assyria they disappeared. That's the ten lost tribes. They they they're mm-hmm. they're coming back. And and to me this this excites me. This really does Wait. excite me. And and I got to say one la- last thing about verse thirteen. Unless you had something else you want to say. Well, I was going to say before we get to 13. Yeah. I, I know we read 13 again. But yeah. uh, I, I really want to, uh, you know, every time I, I come up with the word of the week and you say, why is that the word of the week? Yeah. So I have a word of the week, Nehemiah. What's your I, word I of the week? To, the, work, the word of the week is you came when back When do I get twice. to go? <laughs> well, well I was hoping you would pick this. I'm going to I'm going to give you. It's in verse 9. 27 verse 9. 13, but okay, go ahead. What do you have in Okay, mind? no, go to 13. No, go no, 13. it's fine. Go ahead. What's your what's your word? No, I really I would like you to pick it. No, no, you, you pick it. Verse nine is the, the you word. Came twi- you is, came is twice. You came twice. Is it the word Yehupar? Uh, that should be the word. Exactly. Okay. I mean, so no so it's the third could... word in verse nine in the Hebrew Yehupar, and it's from the. Remember, we said every word in, in biblical Hebrew is a three letter root, uh, and the root here is Kaf Peresh, which is the root of the same root as the word Kippur, as in Yom Kippur, 
or, or Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonement, and Yichupar means he will be atoned. And it's Amen. speaking about the iniquity of Israel being atoned. That could be the word of the week. I'm also going to throw in the word shofar, which we're about to see in, in a... Uh, isn't that exciting about this? The shofar is going to blow, and the exiles are going to return. And, and I think um, about I think about the shofar and, and its its significance. And um, you know, it, it, shofar has all these different significances in in the Tanakh. And I made a list here somewhere. Oh, here it is. Oh no, that's something else. Um, I don't know. We're going to get to that. But think about what we've got: Yom Truah. We've got the shofar warning of an enemy coming. We've got the shofar that they heard on the day of Mount Sinai when the shofar blew long. That's when they heard the voice of Yehovah mm-hmm. say, "Anochi Yehovah." And then we've got the shofar, which is the sounding of repentance. And so we've got mm-hmm. all these different. And now we finally here have the shofar of um, of, of ingathering. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Maybe all of those are combined. I don't know. That's really yes. exciting. That maybe on Yom Truah, on the day of, of blowing the the trumpet, on the bay of blowing the shofar, that that's when the exile will begin to be. You know, that will be the final stage well, of the ingathering. Maybe I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That, that's why that, that I, excites I have to be me. With you. When I see this verse, you know, and, and it says it says here, it's a, it's a bishofar gadol. <laughs> it's a great one, a big shofar. It's, it's a kudu, it's a big one. like the one you've got. It's a kudu, and so I'm convinced <laughs> that it's going to be the kudu shofar. So that's it, why it could be. I, I so, carry my kudu shofar. Now, here's what you may not know, Keith. One of the most yes. famous songs in in Jewish tradition that I grew up mm-hmm. singing, maybe the only song I can actually sing, is verse 13. And I, okay. I'm gonna and I apologize to all the music aficionados no, out no, there. No, I'm no, gonna sing this verse, no. verse oh. thirteen. Oh. Uvah oh. All right, I'm going to put up a video with somebody else singing, who sings better than me. Everybody, and it literally is, and the lost ones will come in the land of Assyria, and the castaways in the land of Egypt, and they will bow down to Jehovah on the holy mountain, in Jerusalem, Amen. May it be soon. I, I'm done. We could stop here. That, that. Oh no, no, no. Let me let me wow. just say a cu- couple things, small things. One, first of all, I want. I have to. I just have to say this. Um, uh, Ernesto well? and Kelly, oh. when they brought this, the their comments, uh, they were talking just about this idea of judgment and how, mm. you know, how can I say it? Where you know, things will be brought to the forefront, you know, and and that, and I think I have to say, Nehemi, what I appreciated about this passage is that sometimes we look at you know the ones that are the the ones from the east and the assyrians and all those people that are the bad ones or whatever but you know sometimes we have to look right in the own, in our own house in israel and you 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 did a beautiful job of this just sharing that the the judgment there would be uh, for Israel, that Israel itself had fallen um, fallen prey to the very thing that Yehovah said would happen throughout the Torah, and and it's it's a both and, and it's like looking at it's like looking at your situation. One of the sayings we used to always say back in the day when I was um, when I was in my early in my early uh, pastorate, they'd say you know judgment starts with the house of God. <laughs> In other words, the first for, the first ones that are going to go through the process of accountability are the ones that are supposed to be most accountable to Him, mm-hmm. and that certainly and that certainly is yeah. uh, certainly well, what happens. And, and, and now that we understand verses nine through twelve, we can you know maybe take a better guess at what seven and eight are talking about. They're talking mm-hmm. how you know, um, although I still have trouble seeing it, <laughs> but um, but you know, possibly in those verses when He says, you know, did He smite him with the smiting of His smiter? So the smiter is the persecution of, of the you know of the Jewish leadership 
of the, mm-hmm. of the poor, of, of the downtrodden. And because of that, Israel needed to go into exile and suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, can we do this? I mean, this is kind yeah. of connected to even a, a ministry minute. Can I go to, yeah. can I go to the to section in 29, 22 and 23? What, what about 28? No, that's what I'm saying. 20, 29, 22. No, 20. You're skipping uh, I, 13 uh, verses in chapter 28. No, 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 no. 28, 13. I'm sorry. Well, why don't, to, why don't we do the ministry minute before we transition to chapter Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So my ministry is the Makor Hebrew Foundation, M-A-K-O-R. And, and it's, it's funny, you know, and I don't blame you for this, Keith, but I'll get people who will say, um, uh, you know, I want to support your ministry, uh, Biblical Foundations Academy. And I'm like, no, that's Keith's ministry. <laughs> Mine's the Makor <laughs> Hebrew Foundation. My website's thechemiswall.com. And, um, you know, I've got this thing that's been going for the last eight months, my support team, those who have supported my ministry. I've been sending out this, this, um, these, these monthly teachings really just to thank them. That's really, really what it is. And, and, the, and there's been this huge response to um, the last, latest one, which was uh, entitled The Ancient Hebrew Roots of Hanukkah. And um, I was really honored. Um, it's been watched by, in the last four days, and obviously we're pre-recording this, so, um, but in the last four days since the, this, this uh, video came out, there's a video and an audio recording, and the video is available for everybody. It's been watched by over 10,000 people, which is, is no mm-hmm. small thing. And I was really honored and, and, and even touched to see on Facebook that my sister posted a photo of her sitting in front of the computer with my mother and watching this video of me lighting a menorah, a seven-branch menorah, and doing it in defiance of rabbinical tradition, taking back Hanukkah and the biblical um, or the original historical message of Hanukkah in accordance with the Bible and not in accordance with man-made traditions. Um, and and I'm at, I've actually been surprised at the response of this. Um, you know, I put out another uh, support team message a few months back called The Fundamental Flaw of Judaism, which I still to this day think is maybe the most important teaching I've ever done. And um, I had a huge response to that. And what surprised me is that the ancient Hebrew roots of Hanukkah teaching has had more of a response even than that one. Um, so I've really been I've really been humbled by that and really blessed. And, and um, so I want to invite people to come over to NehemiahsWall.com where we have over 200 hours of free teaching, free videos. And um, also, you know, please consider supporting my ministry and joining the support team. Um, and... And, and the other thing I want to invite people to do is iTunes, 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 iTunes. There's three things you can do on iTunes that we, we need you to do to help us. Um, first of all, subscribe to Nehemia's Wall podcast on iTunes. And the reason to do that is that every week, automatically, you will get the latest episode of whatever the teaching is, of the Prophet Pearls, the Torah Pearls, and um, other teachings that I'll be doing on audio. And then to help other people get access to that, I'm going to ask people to do a review and ratings on iTunes, even if you're not a, a, a an iPhone person, I'm not a, a Apple iPhone person. I'm an Android person, but iTunes is kind of this base that you can give the reviews and the ratings, and then it'll go to the the um, the the Android devices. I actually uh, have subscribed to um, the podcast using uh, you know using a, an app on Android, a podcast app uh, called Pocket Cast. There's other free ones, so that's my ministry minute. I'm in. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good transition. Yeah, can we go to twenty eight. Let's do it. Okay, so twenty-eight one, and we're actually going, going through uh, verse thirteen here. Yeah. Um, so I want to read the first uh, three, four verses here, and I'm reading now. I'm going to actually. Switch. I'm going to let I'm you. Do, do, I'm going to. I'm going to propose that you do something else, and obviously you don't have that? to. Which is that you uh, you read as much as you need to through verse eight because I've got I've got a lot to say about that, but I'm holding my comments for verses nine through thirteen, which are <laughs> the, which are. 
They're, they're, they're one of the, the most, most important verses. No, no, the they are one of the top 50 most important verse, passages in the Bible, and I kid you not, you're making fun of me. But it's true. <laughs> it really is make, profound. I'm actually going to make it easy, easy for yeah. us. And, and, and this is one of the things that I, I, I'm glad we started doing this at the beginning of this year um, as far as inviting people to read and to comment and to, to tell us where we're at. Because the truth is we said we would, we would do 45 minutes to an hour. It's been difficult to do anything less than an hour. And even at that, <laughs> we, we end up going over a little bit. And, and, and actually what I decided to do is at, at an hour, at 60 minutes, it's Nehemiah's show. If it's over 60 minutes and he wants to talk for 30 more, well, why I just don't go you talk it. about verses drink, 1 through 8? Drink, drink, drink a and water I'll, and I'll then take I, up verse and then 9 move. at 60 minutes and talk for the next half hour. <laughs> I'm sure you will. No, I want, I, I really do want to, yeah. I want to read, I want to read, I'm going to read from um, the NIV. And the reason for this is, okay. is that sometimes, um, I just want to say to people, um, one of the things I love about studying scripture, as I mentioned this a lot, is that uh, is that I like to be able to compare and contrast. So I take the Hebrew and I take, um, you know, a, a, a passage um, in NAS and the NIV and the JPS and the KJV. But I have to say this and make fun sometimes of the newly, I call it the nearly inspired version. And one of the benefits that I have of being able to read the NIV is that I actually like the way the NIV sounds in terms of using the English the English. Um, um, vernacular and and grammar. The advantage that I have is I can I can read a verse in the NIV and it can sound a certain way as far as modern day language. But then I have the opportunity to go and to look and see what it says in the original. The disadvantage to the NIV is that it takes so many liberties in terms of translation and many times regarding theology. I really have a problem with with the NIV. But I, what I want to do is I just want to read a little bit. Um, we used to do this uh, with the original prophet pearls, uh, original Torah pearls rather, is that we would be having such huge large sections. We would have a section where we would just read. And then obviously we couldn't comment on every word and every phrase and every comma and every question mark and every semicolon, blah, 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 blah. But we could hear the verse. And so I want to read um, just a few verses here, if that's all right, in the NIV. Woe to the wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, the glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley. To that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. And obviously in this, in this you know, it's, it's not hard to, to say that there's a connection between what's going on with these folks in terms of their, their drinking issue and also in spe- speaking of the wine, obviously that they're not just drinking the wine as a, a way of uh, a glad tidings or whatever. They're obviously going to the place where they are are uh, laid waste with their drinking. I would. Would you agree? <laughs> well, yeah. It's, this isn't just about you know consuming resveratrol. They're they're, they're stinking drunk. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you say it in such a clear way. Uh, see, Yehovah, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong. Uh, as one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpour, he will throw it forcefully to the ground. That wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, will be trampled underfoot. Thank you again, Ernesto and Kelly, is responding to this. That fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, will be like a fig ripe before harvest. As soon as someone sees it and takes it in his hand, he swallows it. Now in verse 5, in that day, Yehovah Almighty, Yehovah Tzavot, will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant, and I love that, for the remnant of his people. Um... And again, at any any time where you're reading, and you, you know, as you said, sometimes uh, they might pick a verse that they want to end it on a better note, or, or they want to, you know, maybe they didn't feel comfortable the way that it, the way that it was ending. But anytime I see these types of things, these kinds of verses that come up, where it says, and and to him who sits in judgment, it says, it says, in that day, Yehovah Tzavah Ot will be a glory. Hello. 
Uh-oh. Keith Johnson. Uh-oh. And the day it all crashed and burned. Are you there, Keith? Are you there? You've gone off. I'm offline. What? Oh, boy. Yeah, I lost my internet connection. Folks, we were in the middle of a, a, a real issue here. I, I was reading in, in my NIV. The internet got cut off. I kept reading. I thought Nehemiah was listening. Come to find out, we were completely cut off since that time. It's been about 30 minutes getting cut off back and forth. We're not sure if this is even going to be able to work, but we're going to try to continue. I'm going to ask you folks to read in uh, 27, uh, 28 up until about verse 9. Then we've got this special section, verse 9. Nehemiah, you're ready for this. Can you now try again? I know you did it before. Can you try again? And go ahead and give a little background why this is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, there's definitely a challenge because um, you know we're you're, you're over in China and don't have the best internet. That's an understatement, and we are repeatedly getting cut off. And yeah, and you know, it's and, and I'm, well, it's frustrating. You know, I'm I'm pouring out my heart into these verses, uh, and then I and find then you out come to find in, out in, I'm not listening. Well, yeah, in, it's, it's in the in mid sentence, finding out it's not even getting recorded. So that's extremely frustrating. All right, here we go. Let's let's All try. Right. I'm gonna try this one more time. Um, Isaiah 28, starting in verse 9, and it says, Whom shall he teach? And the reason I'm reading this um, from the King James is that a number of years ago, I encountered some people who had an entire denomination based on this passage, and based specifically on the King James passage version of the, of the passage, of Isaiah 28, 9 through 13, um, which isn't even what it says in Hebrew. And so it says in the King James, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? That's the question. And the answer is, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. In other words, those who are like toddlers. They're the ones that God's speaking to, like the two- and three-year-old. Um, verse 10, for, pre- for precept must be upon precept. That word must doesn't appear in the Hebrew. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there and there a little. Uh, and what these people did from this particular denomination, they came along and they said, um, that this is how you're supposed to interpret scripture. You're supposed to read scripture looking for uh, half a verse here and three verses there. And of course, they didn't exactly present it that way. But this is what mm-hmm. they did. They took this passage and they said, uh, the way to read scripture is here a little, there a little. So you take a few verses here, a few, little bit from there, <laughs> and you put it together and you make this this, this mosaic. And, and I call that proof texting. And what you end up doing is taking all these things out of context. And what you really need to do is understand every verse in its context and, and 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 <laughs> this of all verses needs to be understood in its context because it explains it. Verse ten is the statement: precept upon precept, you know, line upon line. Here, little, what is that? It says, "For with stammering lips and uh, another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this mm-hmm. is the refreshing, yet they hear not.'" And then verse 13, but the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. And let me tell it, read you what it really says in the Hebrew. Can, can, I, can I read that? Yes, please do that. Um, okay. So from the Hebrew, it says, who shall he instruct knowledge and who shall understand um, the report? Uh, though, uh, and, and then this is part of the question. Those that are uh, weaned from milk, those that are removed from the breasts. In other words, little babies aren't going to understand this. Um, Mm -hmm. And it says, for uh, commandment upon commandment, and commandment upon commandment, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now, what's a line? In Hebrew, you look up this word kav, it doesn't mean a line of scripture. It means a line of measurement. 
um, they would have these strings, and um, they 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 have like a weight at the end of the string, a plumb line, and they would build according to the string to keep a straight line in the building. So line mm-hmm. upon line, line upon line. What does that mean? He goes on. It says he says, for with a foreign tongue and with another language he shall speak to this people. Um, uh, that he said to them, and actually that is best understood as a question. Um, is he speaking to them with a foreign tongue? That he yes. said to them, "This is the rest uh, with which with which with you will rest for the or which will give rest to the to the weak or the tired, and this is the the um, the comfort." And they didn't want to hear. In other words, he said something really really simple. Let me read verse twelve in the key, in in the JPS. Um, this is Isaiah twenty eight. Um, we're in. Hold on a second. Starting in verse nine. And it says, to whom uh, would he give instruction? To whom uh, expound a message? To those newly weaned from milk, just taken away from the breast? That same, and then here they translate it, mutter upon mutter, murmur upon murmur, now here, now there. Um, but actually it says commandment upon commandment, etc. Verse 13, is what we want to get to. To them the word of Yehovah has become, is what it says in the Hebrew. Uh, uh, and the word of Yehovah has become to them commandment upon commandment, commandment upon commandment, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, in order that they would go backwards um, and stumble, they would go and stumble backwards and they would be broken and they would fall into the snare. In other words, because they didn't want to hear the very simple message, um, yes. you know, and it's amazing. So, they, so here's what this denomination did. They took the verse, here a little, there a little, and they use it as a justification for proof texting, which really means taking verses out of context. Half a verse here, three verses there, and this is the exact opposite of what the prophet is saying. Literally the exact opposite. And um, <laughs> and, what, what, and it's interesting, he's talking about these children, he's saying, is God speaking to these little children? And it's a rhetorical question, of course, the answer is no. Well, what does that mean? So I don't know if you, you know this, but in psychology, they talk about four cognitive stages of, co- of child development. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert in this. But they say toddlers from ages two to seven, they perceive the world through what's called magical thinking. They don't think logically. And then seven to 12, the child is still unable to think logically. I'm reading from a description from a psychology uh, description here. It says, aged 7 to 12 children begin to understand logical or rational thought, but only concretely in relation to things they cannot see or they can see or touch. And what that means is children lack the ability for abstract thought. They only have concrete thought. And that's and that's key. The prophet understood this. God, of course, understood it. But the people of the time understood it. And that's what it means when it's asking the question, you know, is God speaking to these children who are just weaned from the breast, meaning a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old? He's not speaking to them because they think in concrete terms, not in abstract terms. And, and how, does that trans, how does that then translate in their observance of the commandments, um, people who think in these concrete terms without the abstract? Well, um, so, so what happens is they refuse to listen to God's simple, straight message. Um, yes. And God's word is turned into a bunch of incoherent commandments, commandment upon commandment, commandment upon commandment, and then line upon line, which is the line of measurement. So it's measurement upon measurement. Um, and, and the simple message was to give rest to the needy, to give, you know, to, to take care of the weak and the poor and the downtrodden, to be righteous in treating other people. And instead of it being a coher- uh, this coherent message, 
um, it becomes a series of these individual commandments. They're obsessed with the individual commandments and with the measurements. And, you know, people mm-hmm. will ask me, how many commandments are in the Torah? The rabbis tell us there's 613. That's because the rabbis are being foretold, are being described in this verse. They've turned it into commandment upon commandment, line upon line, that is measure upon measure. And you say, well, what is the, the measure upon measure of, of the rabbis? So one of the, the key concepts in rabbinical Judaism that I grew up with is this idea that everything has to have a measure. Measure. That the Torah is, is is very vague, and that's why we need the oral law. And the oral law will have specific measurements for everything. And and the and one of the examples is they'll say we're commanded for seven days to eat matzah unleavened bread, but how much unleavened bread? And so the Talmud, the oral law, comes along and answers that you need to eat the size of an olive. And um, apparently they had giant olives because it's also described as the size of a, of an egg, which maybe they had really small eggs. Um, and there's this this story that that. It's both funny and tragic about my father who had really severe diabetes, and he and we said, you know, he was told by his doctor, you can't eat matzah; it's it's just poison for you, you know, the unleavened bread. And he's, you know, and his response was, I have to, I'm required to, I have to eat an olive size. And I'm telling you, this was the biggest olive anyone's ever seen on planet Earth. Um, he would eat like a half a piece of matzah, and and it would shoot his blood sugar through the roof, and and it really was tragic. Mm-hmm. He ended up dying of of diabetes. Um, and so, and so what the people were doing, even in Isaiah's time and all the way down to modern times is because they, 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 um, instead of looking at the big picture at the, they, they look at the commandments and say, what is the message here? What is the principle here? And the principle is what it says in verse, um, verse 12. That's the principle behind the commandments. And the principle is, uh, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose. And they refuse to listen. In other words, here's how you should treat your fellow man. Here's how you should treat your fellow human being and give him an opportunity to rest and, and, and recuperate. Instead, they were persecuting the poor and the weak. Um, and, and, and really the message here is because they refuse to hear that, they turn the commandments into we're counting the commandments. Here's the third, you know, the, and there are ten commandments, of course, of the ten matters. You have a teaching on that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're doing is we have 613 commandments. This is number, you know, 598 instead of saying, okay, this is what God commanded us to do. And let's understand what the big picture is, not just the individual commandments and not be obsessed with all these measurements, you know, the line upon line, which is, mm-hmm. is again, what that means in Hebrew. Um, and they end up, you know, taking a little bit here, half a verse there, and half a verse there, and, and so it's the exact opposite of what that particular denomination said. Um, they've turned the Torah into precept upon precept and line upon line here a little there a little, and, and that's because they refuse to listen. And so God said, "Okay, you want that? I'll let you have that." In order that they will go and they will stumble back. This is the end of verse thirteen, and they will be broken and they will fall into the trap. So what we need to do is listen to what Yehovah said and not look at it. Like children who lack who lack abstract thought and only focus on these concrete individual commandments and individual measurements, but look at the big picture of the Torah. Mm, mm. Amen. Well, folks, I tell you what, we took a struggle to get that, but it was well worth it. And uh, we actually go to the last two verses, which is twenty nine, twenty two, and twenty three. And I'm only going to take a second uh, to to share that. I also want to say to uh, everyone that's listening, we really do want you to to go and to to read this entire passage. Give us your comments, uh, NehemiahsWall.com, BFAInternational.com. Just go right to the comments section. But 29, if I can, Nehemiah, end with these last yeah, two verses. Ahead. 22, uh, it says, Therefore, this is what Yehovah says, who redeemed Abraham, says to the house of Jacob, No longer will Jacob be ashamed, no longer will their faces grow pale. When they see among their children 
the work of my hands. They shall keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in the awe of the God of, of Israel. And, of course, when I read that, Nehemiah, I think about uh, this entire work that we did, uh, prayer to our Father, Hebrew origins of the Lord's Prayer. It says, they will keep my name holy. And if you would, if you would uh, do, 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 do just, just one second, when you read that verse, Nehemiah, what do you think about? It says, they will keep my well, name holy. Well, it doesn't say they will keep my name holy. It says they will sanctify my name. That's what I was waiting for. That's all I want. And, of course, what did you well, That's an active them? thing to do, yeah. That he taught that you know, your name be sanctified. I will say this for my ministry minute that uh, there's so much that's happened in this last calendar year, and so much we want to do in 2015. We found a way to to give people access to see what we've done. Actually, there's now what we call a, with the premium content library a, a free trial where people can go in, see what's there. If they like it, great. There's no charge. There's no issue. If after seven days they think it's good, then they will be supporting us. Really, it's a minimal. I think it's nine dollars or nine dollars ninety nine cents a month, basically, so that we can then work on the things that we have in front of us for this next uh, calendar year. I do appreciate uh, the many people that have already um, said yes and supported us. We wanted uh, to reach a goal in, in December. It doesn't look like we're going to get there, so we've decided to make it free. People People see for themselves, and if they like it, continue. BFAinternational.com, seven-day free trial. Uh, the work that we did on his, on his hallowed name, uh, Nehemiah, I'm sorry, on, on a prayer to our father. Uh, and when I saw this when I saw this phrase, and again, I thought about uh, that, that phrase, your name be sanctified, which is a call to action. And may we be people that will continue to sanctify his name in, through our actions and our, our thoughts and what we do and what we say and who we are. Now, of course... Again, we really have had some technical issues. Hopefully, we're going <laughs> to get this resolved. If not, it was another good run. But I will tell you, I've, I really appreciated just going in and looking at these passages, studying them, trying to see what they say, and, of course, getting input from other people. Nahemi, I certainly appreciate all the, uh, your study. I make fun of you being from the Hebrew University, but you know what? With, without having the tools uh, that you spent so much time uh, to be able to hone those tools, we're able to get a, a, a peek at some things that I just think are amazing. So I really appreciate that. If there's anything else you want to say before we get cut off, I, I just say to everyone, thanks for hanging in there with us. It's been a struggle for this one. Hopefully, we'll get some systems, some backup systems in place so we can continue to study, continue to read, and continue to bring these pearls from the prophets to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and bfainternational.com.